0: Are you struggling to believe that there is a purpose for your life? That after all you've been through, seen or done, that there is a chance you'll ever find peace and wholeness again? Welcome to Love and Beloved. This podcast explores what matters to us the most overcoming adversity, success stories on relationships with God, ourselves, and others. Now, here is
1: your host, Lena Sibula. Welcome, 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 season three of Love and Beloved. My apologies that it took me a bit of time to in my brand and that you guys been patiently waiting for another episode and here it is. The guests are amazing. This season gonna be fantastic. So please, please guys, rate and share this episode and you can uh, drop a five-star review That helps more people to find the show. And you can search rate this podcast.com. Lina Cebula. I appreciate you all. And honestly, guys, first guest of season three is an amazing expert, Tiana Sharifi. And she is fantastic. I do believe you get so much value and better understanding of the reality of human sex trafficking. Honestly, it's going to be just great. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know, please. Welcome, Tiana, to Love and Beloved podcast.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Guys, I believe it's a key time for us all as individuals to educate ourselves about human trafficking and crucial to learn to spot the red flags And you, Tiana, are a perfect person for a love and beloved platform, because it's been designed to encourage, inspire, and to give hope. I'm so grateful that you have agreed to share your expertise with our audience. I know that people will greatly benefit and be encouraged by learning more about sexual exploitation education agency. But please, Tiana, tell us a little bit about yourself and where your journey begins. Yeah, that's a
0: loaded question. Uh, just a little bit about myself. I guess my background is in psychology and counseling. Um, and I I've pretty much spent the most of my career working in the field of anti-human trafficking, whether it's been frontline uh, with victims or with those who are at risk or in prevention. And, and most of my work has been in prevention. So um, I just became passionate about this topic because... I I got a position where I was educating youth across children and youth across the province of BC. And I started to recognize just how prevalent this is, but um, just how much it's not represented in the media, uh, it's a topic that's not discussed. It's we don't really address the root causes that would lead to trafficking and sexual exploitation of children. And so that's really where my passion came for this issue. And now I have a daughter myself. And so, of course, I'm even more passionate and driven to uh, to raise awareness and uh, hopefully continue to prevent and raise uh, yeah raise awareness on sexual exploitation.
1: That's so awesome. And you've created an agency, Sexual Exploitation Education, to address the gaps in services and provide a dynamic approach with the issues of sexual exploitation. Can you please tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, so my whole, um, my goal was to really look at with this issue, what are the services that are really missing? And, uh, you know, I don't want to reinvent the wheel, how can I contribute to what is already out there. So for me, I looked at youth awareness, student presentations, what's happening there, and what's really missing. And I found that we don't typically tend to we, we provide education on around awareness of the issue and warning signs and things like that, which is fantastic and so necessary, but we don't really address the root causes that would lead somebody to be exploited. And so my student presentations really revolve around that, around addressing the root causes. So for me, Uh, with my, my agency C, I've identified that it comes down to understanding needs and how to get needs met through healthy alternatives, understanding healthy boundaries, and consent both digitally and in person. So I have student presentations that work on that. And then what I really aim to do is provide holistic approach. So when I provide education to students, I'm really trying to also provide that education to the adults in their lives, uh, whether it's the parents and the the teachers and educators. So there's a lot of pro days that I offer um, and and law enforcement presentations as well. And then, of course, the consulting and research and awareness piece. So I aim to create educational materials that can be utilized for free um, by anybody across the nation and uh, providing consulting services to agencies. And just very recently, actually, I, I realized that there is really a need for an educational tool that is digital. And so I created the first ever app uh, in prevention education on this issue called the C-app. And uh, so that's, that's essentially, I mean, it, it's pretty open what, what I'm doing with the agency. We're just kind of looking for what is missing, what can we provide, um, and how can we really push this issue forward?
1: That is so amazing! I actually really excited to research that up, and it's so perfect how you decide to look at the road causes because it's so easy. Like I know with my story with the drugs and and trauma, nobody really look into why this is what's happening until I become older and start to investigate what's going on, why it's triggering me this and um. I know that, and I actually realized that I was the product of my environment, but there was no one come alongside like social workers, or like these uh, amazing tools. And now, with online tools, very smart because we're all digital, you know, nobody read well, maybe somebody still read newspapers and stuff, but everything is electronic. And that's where the predators target um, youth or in general, just. Uh, victims uh, through through the electronics so teaching them about everything through online education it's very smart so isn't that funny see I'm mostly gonna edit myself because I'm now like thinking about like about my English sometimes it makes sense like in my head but then I'm like what do I want to say, and it doesn't come up, come across. So when you hear the edited version, it's so much better because it's like magic. I'm like, okay, so now I gotta I gotta get get back on topic too, and and get this straight because I was talking about the trauma and the root cause, like first of all. So I want to address that because it's nobody come alongside and to explain it to me and it's probably would give me opportunity not end up where I was and support is amazing so honestly you said the lessons that you have learned and we touched a little bit uh, about that before the recording and I really commanded you on this and you said that only those who can't criticize And that any rejection is actually just redirection, which is amazing and simple, but profound. You said change does not happen through keeping closed mind and shutting out groups with different opinion. And look, today, since its inception and C has been a leading agency and presentation and um, in its own field, and honestly, being called upon for the research in international conferences. And I told you before recording that you are young and beautiful and have this amazing strength to deal with this hardcore issue and actually create change and create this difference. I really commend you and I congratulate you on that.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. It is is a challenge. That's one thing um, that I've recognized, at least in BC. I feel like Ontario is a little bit different. Um, You're you're a lot more ahead than we are. Uh, But something that that I really try and do is, is have those conversations and invite others with differing opinions, because I think that one of the biggest things really preventing us Uh, from having that awareness in the community of what human trafficking actually is and how prevalent it is and how we can actually keep children and youth safe is that you have different groups that um, there are other groups out there I think that, that don't fully understand the issue and then they believe that maybe by speaking about it, we're interfering with their concerns and then nobody moves forward. So something that we, we really try and do is have um, an open mind, create a safe space to have conversations with people of differing opinions. You know, I can have my beliefs, for example, on legislation, um, but that doesn't mean that I'm 100 percent right. Nobody is 100 percent right. And I'm, I'm happy to have those conversations because otherwise it becomes a political issue when it's a safety issue.
1: Isn't that beautiful to have an open mind? Because we're all different and all unique. It's not for being right or wrong, but cohesively actually make a difference for the better.
0: Yeah, and I think humility is a huge part of that because I can have I, I can have a very strong belief about something and I have my expertise, but I, I'm not I don't know everything, right? I mean, somebody else can have a different experience and different education and knowledge that I don't have, and so if I, for example want to support legislation that truly helps people I can't decide that on my own using my own opinion I have to listen to everything that is out there and have you know a humble posture of learning to to really be able to identify the best way to to keep kids safe for example or to create the programs that we have Um, and I think that's something that's that's very important I try to stand by.
1: Beautiful opinion, because pride would stop in us, just not allowed us to learn and grow. And actually, by collaborating with others, we we can get whatever our strengths and weaknesses, we can build something really amazing and make this world a better place, you know, because the issues are still this hardcore and still there. No matter what opinion we have, the issues are the same. And you said that you have actually tactical solution and effective approach to prevention of sexual exploitation. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yes. So from what has been out there, it's seemed that issues that pertain to youth when it comes to prevention, the fear-based approach does not work and shaming doesn't work as well. It's actually about having conversations with trusted adults and authority figures on value systems um, and on identity. So they did a Canada-wide study looking at uh, sexting amongst kids, and they found that a lot of kids believed that it was okay and normal to share sex um, of other people without their consent. And so what they found in this study was that, funny enough, knowing the law did not deter youth from doing that. What did was having conversations about morals and values and um, and respect and consent and empathy, and so I think that really speaks to the concept of youth are driven to be good people, to have a positive self-identity, and they want to have those conversations. And so something that we do is, again, it's not just about talking about warning signs or the fear tactics of this is what can happen and this is what's out there. It's more so let's talk about the impact. Let's talk about why why would somebody be exploited in the first place? So something that I always say in my presentations, um, even to adults, is that sexual exploitation by definition is the exchange of a sexual act for something in return if you're under the age of 18. And the fact that there is an exchange for something in return implies that the victimized party is receiving some sort of benefit out of that exchange. And that benefit can be any kind of a need, whether it's a need for love, popularity, acceptance, or a need for shelter, income, uh, financial security, uh, drugs even, or whatever it is. And so if we think about sexual exploitation from that lens, that youth are, are feel like they're benefiting in some sort of way, then we really need to approach youth and, and um, educate them on the concept of being aware that we have these needs, and that we have different avenues to meet these needs, and that there are healthy and unhealthy ways to meet them. Because just them having that awareness and understanding that there's healthy and unhealthy ways to get that same need met does create a very positive impact and empowers them to make healthier choices. Um, So for example, with the internet, you were just saying earlier that online, everybody's now online and exploiters are online. And and this is, it's really blown up on the internet. And so something that, that we always talk about with the, with online, um, especially with, with parents and adults in the community is, you know, we use the internet really for three things, self-actualization. So creating some kind of a positive identity that we like, that we want to put forth, Uh, self-esteem and love and belonging. And so those are our higher needs that we're trying to have met. And if youth are just aware that when they're on these media, um, social media sites and when they're online, that they're trying to have these needs met, that awareness in itself will make them conscious of, am I making appropriate decisions aligned with getting these needs met through a healthy alternative? Um, So we pair that approach with talking about warning signs, of course, and common strategies and things like that, but bringing a little bit more awareness to the root causes that a youth would be
1: exploited. This is fantastic. And it's such a fresh perspective because I've been doing podcasts for a year right now. And I always um, talk about the trauma and red flags. And it's very interesting that my mindset actually changes right now to hear what you're saying it's fantastic. It's not like I never thought about it, but it's, it's amazing. And how you define, I hope you guys hear this because I, I'm really liking this conversation. Would you talk about some common myth or misconception that we might have regarding the internet and sexual exploitation?
0: Yes, that's a really good question. Um, I think one thing, it's not necessarily a myth, but I think one thing that we have to be aware of right now is that social, certain social media platforms have essentially become groomers uh, for youth and that a lot of youth right now have been... Uh, bought into believe that self-exploitation and self-exploitative behaviors are normalized and are glamorous and are safe because they're doing it online. So we're seeing a lot of youth um, selling photos of whether it's themselves or their body parts without their face in it, or they're, you know, engaging in sugar daddy and sugar baby relationships, but it's all digital. And so they feel like they're safe. They feel like, um, you know, they're being sold on this idea because there's a lot of videos out there on social media. Uh, that are grooming kids essentially into, well, this is how much money you can make in a day by doing this job, and it's easy and, and all that stuff. And so I think we have to be aware that certain platforms are really encouraging and normalizing that behavior. And, uh, and because of that, we have to make more of an effort on having these conversations. Again, it's all about conversations, conversations with youth, because if they're learning about self exploitative behaviors from social media and their peers, but they're not hearing it from adults, then that's their, they're going to have their sense of values and morals around it already established. And then it becomes too late. Um, So again, it's not a myth, but I would say that that's something that we have to start really having a conversation about. I think that for the most part, adults um, and the community, we know to talk to kids about online safety, but we're not having that conversation piece about, Respecting your body and what is exploitative, and um, again, that just that that conversation about self-exploitation.
1: Thank you so much for clarifying that because honestly, I was thinking that's what happened to me. You know, I didn't know that my body is sacred. I didn't know that sex is for marriage. Nobody ever told me to um respect myself in this kind of ways. And now I'm talking to my children and they they definitely um, been encouraged and at home and through the school about the values that we have. And um hearing what my 15 year old daughter tells me like makes my my heart melt. I'm like that's called boundaries. That's called morals. This yeah. kid actually knows where she stands. And I hope and pray, like, if something gonna ever happen, because, like, something very similar happened. um, Not similar, but um somebody stop and start talking to my daughter and her friend. And right away had a red flag. And, you know, and she's like, because we are talking about this. And I try to not to be, like, paranoid and, and put the fear on, on them because of my upbringing and what happened to me. But I want to create awareness and maybe because of my past a little bit extra you know but um she actually uh, right away said why are you talking to me why are you asking me this question why do, you wow. do it just because it's awareness it's look yes. all like you said um can look innocent you yes. know and our kids are innocent Especially like if you have a loving home and you, if you have those needs met, it's yes. always going to be something, especially right now with pandemic being isolated or being lonely or whatever it is. Like with parents, even like with loving parents, you can be busy and it still can be trauma as a neglect Although you provide all the physical needs, you know, now more and more I'm learning about trauma. You don't have to be raped, abused or beaten at home. You still, whatever impacts you negatively, it still can be trauma. So it's very hard to spot. So you always have to be paying attention to the children, how they behave, you know, but um, because she had that awareness and even, um, when I wrote my book, she wanted to read my book. And I asked her like this question, what do you know about human trafficking? And mm-hmm. she said, don't worry, mom, the people from Fight for Freedom and this is an oh. organization that I support. She said, they already came last year to do presentation at my school. Oh wow! My, but yeah. it was so cool to know that our youth getting educated about it because yes. you don't have to be afraid, but you have to know, no matter what, to share these pictures are still unacceptable because it's your body and it's private. And honestly, it's very important to start talking about this at home because if we don't talk about this at home, somebody else will teach them.
0: Exactly.
1: You don't want to know what and and media is like just unacceptable. We actually have to be very strict with our media because we have some situations. And honestly, guys, like I'm a parent of three kids. We monitor like our kids activities and still they get like very sexualized messages through the kids apps.
0: Yeah. You can't avoid it almost. If you're online, you can't avoid it. And I think that's like what you're saying. It's so crucial to have those conversations because It's happening. If they're on the internet, it is happening. So it's about not creating shame, not creating stigma, but just talking about it so that they have another opinion in the back of their head from somebody that they trust. So when they're bombarded with these messages and they're being objectified and they're being sexualized, that they have your voice also in the background to make that decision and distinction between what's okay and what's not.
1: And the scary part, honestly, even like porn, it's so available. You know, you just Google one wrong thing and it yes. will pop up. And our minds are curious, like even like adults struggle with this. And the mind is curious and they start clicking and see like, what is this? What is it all about? And that's kind of already too late.
0: You know, the, the issue I was going to say with porn, like especially it's, it's more like modern porn, especially has become even more. Violent has become even more aggressive, even more one-sided, um, and so you know, and and it's not just on porn sites anymore. Twitter is a main source of where kids get their pornography from as well. So you don't even need to see that your kids been on a porn site; they can they can really they can find it anywhere. And again, the issue is it's more so that that pornography majority of it does not show consent for women, does not show consent in general and mutual satisfaction. It's very one-sided. It's very aggressive most of the time. Um, and so again, if like, kids, if that's how they're learning because we're not having those conversations with them or we are having conversations, but we're shaming them, um, you know, that then, then they're
1: more at risk in that
0: sense. So.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for clarifying and would you please define what human trafficking really is?
0: Yes. So there's the criminal code um, of what human trafficking is, which involves the recruitment, coercion, um, transportation, or you know, really anything of an individual, any act against an individual for the purpose of exploiting them. So you can exploit somebody for most of the time their body. Um, so human trafficking essentially is somebody taking advantage of another person for their own benefit um, and to profit off of it is It's essentially like the, the most simplest way to explain it. So it's very different from human smuggling. And I was actually speaking with a reporter the other day that said, she's like, I wish that the term was not human trafficking. I wish it was exploitation. Because when we say exploitation, we understand what it means. But even when you say trafficking, we we tend to still visualize somebody being smuggled or kidnapped or physically forced against their will. Whereas most of the time what we're seeing with trafficking is somebody has just been manipulated and coerced into believing that they are consenting to their own exploitation where somebody else is profiting from that. Um, and I think that that confusion actually comes from a lot of other groups that, that believe that they know about trafficking um, or even you know, whether it's law enforcement or certain advocacy groups Um, Or even the public where they're not fully understanding that human trafficking doesn't need to involve force or kidnapping, it can look very much like somebody has just been manipulated and coerced into believing that their exploitation is normal and okay, um, and somebody else is benefiting off of that. And so the most common form of trafficking that we see globally and also in Canada is sexual exploitation, Uh, which is funny because, again, we have this misconception that modern day slavery is mostly around labor trafficking, which of course happens, but globally around 70% of the time it's sexual exploitation. And in Canada, around 85 to 90% of the time, it's sexual exploitation. So what that means is somebody is being manipulated, is being coerced or lured into exchanging a sexual act to get something in return and that other individual is profiting off of that.
1: Yes, thank you so much for clarifying that. Actually, um, um, the gentleman that I spoke recently, he was um, breaking down the difference be- between kidnapping, trafficking, and smuggling. And I didn't even know that. Amazing that you saying concentrate on this, and it's not that, and it's not always physical. Because more and more we speak about this definition, and that's why I keep asking the same question By all my guests because I want people to understand the definition, the right definition and learn and to be educated and know that it's not always physical force and know what to look for because that's create the awareness and we can look for the red flags because now we're not looking only for kidnapping, you know, somebody like forcing someone because that's a huge red flag and it would make us to take action but if you for example see I want to add about other misconception that the traffickers prey on somebody that they don't know but yes. in reality it's most uh, most of the time those involve family and friends so yes. you can actually see the behavior around you not thinking that somebody gonna bring someone from Ukraine you know Definitely. although it happens too. But yeah. it's in our neighborhoods, like yes. with our friends and family. I have another girl said to me, if I knew red flags, I would ask my cousin long time ago why she behaves like this. She'd been in all of our dinners, all of our parties and long time after they learned that she'd been trafficked.
0: Wow. No, it's a very good point. And I think that's where, so if we have an awareness of that, then we can actually help more people and understand the complexity of this issue. Because for example, um, you know, if you're being human trafficked and specifically sexually exploited, you are actually being bought and sold in the same industry as other people who are involved in prostitution. And so if we know that you're being bought and sold in that exact same industry and people understand that there is coercion and manipulation involved, then we're not trying to look for traffic victims in within prostitution that look scared or that they've been kidnapped or that they've been forced somewhere. We're understanding the complexity that um, it might look to be somebody that is wanting to be there or agreeing to be there. And they're actually not even aware that they're being trafficked in that moment. I know that there are some groups actually that have come out right out and said, well, there's no human trafficking happening in these body rub massage parlors, all the women want to be there. And it's like, maybe that's the case. However, if somebody decided, let's say off of their own um, free will to be in that environment, let's say to come from another country into this kind of situation, but the hours that they agreed to and the environment and their boundaries that they agreed to are not present then whether or not they consented in the beginning or they want to be there or whatever is involved, by definition, they're being trafficked because they're being exploited. Um, So, and I know people have different opinions about prostitution and sex work and whether it's all exploitative and everybody involved is not consenting or vice versa. But I think that we need to understand that trafficking is complex. It's not most of the time physically forceful. It involves somebody being exploited a lot of times without their knowledge because they've been manipulated into believing that it's okay. And so if we know that we can actually help the issue more um, because we can better understand like the definition of a victim is not somebody who looks like a victim. Sometimes it's someone who believes that that's, you know, they're in a relationship with their boyfriend and they're choosing to do this, to make money for their relationship. Um, So that's a, that's a little bit of a ramble for me, but it's something that I've, I've, no, I've noticed uh, being talked about in the media where even media and reporters and journalists are, are not aware exactly of what trafficking is. And a lot of times they will publish um, individuals who are by definition being trafficked, but who are identifying as consensual sex workers. And there's just not that community awareness um, to the complexity of the issue.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Thank you for that. More we educate ourselves, we can make a difference. Red flags are can be completely different. Would you name few what to look for?
0: Yeah. So I mean, there are indicators. There's indicators that somebody is being trafficked, and that can include that they have someone who is a manager or a boyfriend that they are fearful of, that they feel like they have to be accountable to, Um, that there's, if it's a youth who, again, has like an older boyfriend or a friend, all of a sudden they are skipping classes more often. They start to dress differently. So they have items they can't typically afford. They're dressing more mature. They have more professional makeup done. Um, if they have, if they're on apps such as escorting or sugar baby apps, um, if they are, if they have like multiple credit cards and room keys or multiple cell phones, if, um, What else can I think of if they've been isolated from their community, So um, of of safe people. So and that, again, sometimes is emotional. So someone who all of a sudden is now very distant from their family and friends and people that they trust, um, who maybe is more tired during the day because they're partying later at night, um, engaging in more party like behavior. So these are indicators. And then in terms of red flags and for if you're being groomed, it would be to look out for somebody who is using what they have to create a power imbalance with you. So if they have access to finance, um, to to financial security, to a place, to shelter, um, you know, to a glamorous lifestyle, to drugs and alcohol, to transportation, to whatever it is, and you don't have that and you're in a relationship, there can be a power imbalance. And I think those are some red flags that individuals can look out for themselves um, that's what I talk to youth about. If you have somebody who's even a few years older and they're giving you things that you can't afford for yourself and they're trying to be the only person in your life and taking you away from the relationship you have with your family and friends. So those kind of things are, are
1: warning signs to look out for. Thank you so much. What is in your opinion, the best way to fight human trafficking?
0: Awareness, 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 awareness. Um, and And when I say awareness, I mean, community engagement and education on this issue and specifically media outlets and reporters have a very important job here in making sure that we cover this issue and we have the community the greater community understand what it is what the definition is um, and that it happens because once we have that awareness then we can start to have more, um, more effective action and intervention happening. So I would just, uh, awareness on the issue um, and not making it something political, um,
1: but making it more about safety. Absolutely, I agree with you. Actually, I wanna add, um, when I start writing my book around five years ago, nobody even spoke about human trafficking five years ago. But guess what? I've been trafficked 20 years ago. So right, it's been there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're right. No, it's, it's always, it has always been there. It has throughout history. It's, it's always been there. Um, but for some reason, we just don't talk about it anymore. And, and I think again, that the fact that there's a lot of coercion involved and manipulation um, and if somebody doesn't appear to be our stereotype of a victim, then we don't identify them as a victim. So I think those are some barriers
1: to, That's to, Yeah. Uh, I like to ask you, Tiana, what has been the most memorable moment of your career so far? Oh, that's
0: a a tough question. Um, Honestly, it's not just one moment. For me, the moments where I feel the most proud are the moments where I feel like I'm having an impact. So whether it's going into school and receiving feedback that, Oh, like this was excellent. Like this is happening in our school. I'm so glad that you came here to talk about it. Everyone should hear about this issue. Um, or even just getting, getting the opportunity to, to do certain like initiatives that I have not seen before. So like creating the app I felt very, um, happy about, but yeah, memorable moments for me would just be any, any time that I feel like I've made an impact or I've, um, struck a little light bulb in, in one person because you know that one person can make a huge difference.
1: Beautiful. And you do create an impact, honestly. And with the work with, that you do and with the awareness and just showing up to the podcast like this because you said you know what i want to speak i want people to know and learn and the fact that you're doing actually the app is free it's beautiful as well because honestly you're utilizing the technology to improve other people's life and give it for free thank you so much i really appreciate that tiana where can people go find out more about you and your work
0: Yes. So our website is filled with resources and um, and just explanations of our services and what we've done and um, even just media material. We've created informational material and infographics. So our website is sexual exploitation dot com. Uh, So if you go on sexualexploitationeducation.com, you can be connected to everything that we are involved with, um, in particular, our social media as well. We are on TikTok and Instagram as well.
1: Before I let you go, I would like to ask you my signature question. What does love (laughs) and to be loved means to you?
0: Love and to be loved means to me that we understand the humanity of another person. So even if we're not behaving perfectly, even if we're different people and with different perspectives that we understand the humanity in each individual person Um, and that we were all at one point, little children, especially after having my own child, I really, every time I look at an adult, even someone who's having a bad day, I just like picture when they were a child and they were a child at some point. Um, So yeah, I think just, just recognizing the humanity in, in people.
1: Beautiful. Any final thoughts, Tiana?
0: I just want to thank you so much for creating a podcast on this issue and raising awareness and just, I mean, you're doing essentially what I believe creates that change is having that conversation and creating that greater community awareness. So thank you so much for doing what you do and for uh, for inviting me on to this podcast. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. I appreciate your compliments because before I would be like, no no I won't take it but I now I embrace I embrace the fact that I'm survivor and I embrace the fact that I can make a difference with my story because before I thought it was story of guilt shame and condemnation but I know this is God's story of overcoming the obstacles and being successful despite of the challenges of life and again with my book I am donate the proceeds to fight for freedom to support the survivors because i would like to make a difference in someone's life and honestly it's been an amazing amazing experience i didn't speak about this for 20 years but wow. now it's it's literally platform on social media and now i have amazing people like you experts who make a difference and who fights against injustice and I kid you not it just fills my heart with so much purpose and passion and and this story of mine which was like honestly just ashes you know become this beautiful way for people to learn about it but learning with hope not with fear so I'm grateful that you came and you share your expertise and what you're doing for people and you do create impact I'm so grateful that you are very vocal about it. I'm thankful that you're standing up for those boundaries and rights and beliefs of yours and created something so amazing that will change people's lives. So thank, thank you. you. And what
0: a beautiful thing that that you found your voice, because I think with trafficking, that's one of the main, the main objectives of that exploiter is to take away your voice. And I just think it's beautiful that you found it and that you're having a positive impact on others. And you've gone outside of yourself with something that happened to you. So, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Tiana, for being our guest today. You provide so much insight, and we really appreciate you sharing with us. And our special guest is Tiana Sharifi, a national expert in the field of anti human trafficking and sexual exploitation. Tiana created her agency, Sexual Exploitation Education. To address the gaps and services and provide a dynamic approach with the issue of sexual exploitation, SEE—that's cool, guys. Like when you see how it's written and, <laughs> and see the name, you're gonna get it. It's fantastic. It's also proud to introduce the very first prevention education app called See uh, Up, and I'm gonna post everything in show notes so you can check it out and share this. Please share this with someone if. If you heard something that actually struck the note and you said, oh my goodness, I wanna make a difference, I wanna participate, I wanna be involved, don't hesitate to reach out to Tiana. And um yeah, stay tuned for another edition of Love and Beloved. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Tiana. I'm so grateful for you and your time. Thank you. And remember, you are never alone. You are loved. You are God's treasure, precious and priceless to Him. Thank you for listening to Love
0: and Beloved. If you have any questions about what you heard today, visit lovedandbeloved.com. It's love and the letter B with no E, loved.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and share the show. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you'd like to connect, we would love to hear from you. So send a quick note to Sabula at gmail.com. Stay healthy, stay
1: safe, love and be loved.